Hello and welcome to my podcast, Kamsi J. Kamsi J, the podcast title, is an Igbo phrase that literally means the road I've traveled. And that is what this podcast is about. My name is Kemjika and I'm a Nigerian currently living in British Columbia, Canada. I moved to Canada 10 years ago from Nigeria and over the past 10 years, I've gone through different phases of adjustment. Along the way, I lost myself, my voice and my authenticity. I've now begun to reconnect with my true self and embrace every bit of me. On this podcast, I'll be sharing parts of my life story as I explore various topics related to real life, from love and relationships to immigration and race. New episodes will be released twice a month, and as much as I love to talk, I promise to keep them short and sweet. Please reach out to me with your stories, comments, or questions via email at camcj at gmail.com. That's K-A-M-S-I-J-E at gmail.com. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Please listen, like, subscribe, and share. Now grab a cup of something, relax, and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cam CJ. The topic I'll be exploring today is finding my why. This topic came to me in the shower when I was thinking about a meeting that I had later in the day where I would be discussing a proposed partnership with an organization. And um, this partnership, if it went through, would provide employment opportunities for people living in the downtown east side of Vancouver who are facing barriers to employment. And it's something I'm really excited about. And so I started to question my why. Like, why is it that this is something I am actually interested and passionate about? Why is this that when I'm faced with an opportunity like this, I get really excited and I start to have all these ideas and my heart beats a bit faster and I get really excited at the prospect and just like the people whose lives will be changed by this. So I find myself drawn to people who I think I can see that they're living beneath their potential or just even with the basic things of life, they're struggling and say, for example, there's someone who's educated and um, I see that, oh, this person, all they need is an opportunity to get a good job and they wouldn't be relying on the system. They would be able to pay their bills and hopefully pay it forward. And it's just a lack of opportunity that's keeping them down. Or a woman who is in an abusive situation and she just can't see a way out because she's probably thinking, how am I going to take care of my kids and how am I going to take care of myself without them providing finances? And so I can see that, okay, this person, they just need an opportunity. They just need to be able to take care of themselves to see that they can take care of themselves and they can take care of their kids. And when that problem, the stumbling block, the hindrance is removed, then they can look and say, you know what, I can do this. And so they find empowerment in that and that that power then leads to freedom, which then 
means that there's one additional person who has gone through an experience and come out on top who can then make a difference in the world. So that, that's what happens. That, that's what works in my head when I meet certain people and I'm moved to work with them to help them find a way. Of course, I know I'm not delusional. I know that there are some people who you just can't really do anything for, but I still believe that everyone deserves a chance. Now, sometimes it's one chance you get. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three, four, five, but as many chances maybe as it takes to be able to help somebody rise above the situation that's trying to keep them down. So this is something I'm passionate about and it comes up in different ways. It's Sometimes it's with women, sometimes it's with younger people, sometimes it's with, you know, just in various ways it pops up and I'm always very happy and excited at opportunities like this. And so I started to ask myself, where is this coming from? Why do I feel this way? Like what causes this there in my spirit that pushes me to want to react the way that I do to certain kind of people in certain situations? And it just hit me that day in the shower that my why was my mom. I see my mom represented in a lot of the women I moved to support. She's the reason I hate injustice. She's the reason I hate silence and shame. She's the reason I hate to depend on people and place my happiness, my survival, or my self-worth in the hands of anyone, especially men. She's the reason I try to be honest with the people I care about and to support them however I can because her helplessness haunts me. I have come to believe that the worst things, the darkest things, the most hurtful things thrive under the cover of silence and shame. And so I try to be that person that people can feel that they can open up to. I try to offer a judgment-free zone for people who I care about and people who come my way so that they can, so that I can help them take off that cloak of shame and silence. So my dad was a great father. He was he was very supportive of us. He, he supported whatever dreams that we had. And if he could, however he could help, he would help. He was somebody I could sit down and chat with about school or about a lot of things. And he was concerned. He truly cared. And he would listen. I remember he, when I turned 25, I remember him waiting up for me. And actually, I think that was my last birthday in Nigeria before I moved to Canada. And so, um, oh no, sorry, it wasn't the last. It was the one before the last. I moved when I was 26. And so my boy, I turned 25 and for me, it was a big deal. And so I went out with my friends that night. So I didn't get home until perhaps almost midnight. And he was awake, sitting down there, waiting for me with a bottle of wine. And we shared a glass together and we talked about life and... I think he'd shared with me as well his memories of when he was 25. And, you know, it was a very, 
it's a moment that stuck with me. So you must know that at the time, it was a very special moment for me. And so I had a lot of those kind of moments with my dad. He might have been a bit, uh, well, with my sisters, I know that he was very, almost very forceful with his plans for their education and like what they were going to study and where they were going to live, that kind of thing. But with me, he was a bit, he was a bit different. For me to be able to have the relationship I have with my dad today and for me to live, to try to work through any kind of resentment I had, I had to be able to separate him as a dad from him as a husband. I had to try to not judge him for the kind of husband that he was and just deal with him only as my dad. And the times when perhaps maybe over the phone or something and I hear some comments that trigger me and make me want to to say something or to do something, I catch myself because he's in his 70s. He's not of the best health. Sometimes he has like memory confusion. He has confusion. And so I ask myself, bringing up certain things, what is there to, what is to be gained from that? And there is nothing to be gained, really. There's nothing I will say to him now that will change decades of the behavior that he has exhibited towards my mom. And so I just, I just keep quiet about it. And my silence haunts me. But it's something I'm trying to come to terms with and just find peace with because I just haven't felt a need to, to pursue that and to say anything about it. But my mom got married when she was really young. And we've never really talked about it, but seeing how young she was, I think he was probably her first boyfriend. And then they got married and immediately they started having kids. And she ended up having five children for him. She was working. She used to work as a secretary with a construction company until she had my brother. My brother is five years younger than I am. And so I remember when she had him, she took the time. She stayed at home to raise him and to to keep house. And then my dad, who was working in um, publishing at the time, he was in sales and marketing I think with a publishing house. And so he, he moved away from that and established his own business. And he was in sales, uh, publishing sales and support. And my mom joined him in that and they built their business together. So all my life, I saw my mom, she never really had anything for herself. Her entire life revolved around her husband and her children. She never went to university. She, even the times when she had uh, business ideas that she wanted to do, she never really followed through because he never gave his support of that. I know she ran a bookshop once when we were younger, but that was it. And when we moved and she closed that up, she never started it up again. And, and so she never had a business of her own. She was just his. He had all the financial power in that marriage he took care of everything and he did take care of us pretty well I don't think he was the kind of person who maybe held back money or again I don't really know but from what I could see 
she had decided like she had her money she could do things with but she never actualized her dreams i may be wrong but i feel like at some point in that kind of relationship you almost stop dreaming because what is there why why bother with dreaming when you know that your dreams will not come true because you've now committed to a life of service to your husband and your children and so it's an awful feeling that when i think back i i just wish that she had somebody in her life or that she grew up in a society where she could find support where she could have had the 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 chance to be more to do more but that wasn't the case and then on top of that my dad was abusive i have memories of listening to him hit my mom and yell and so he was this really uh one second he was this dad who you could talk and he would make jokes and we would laugh like my dad was hilarious and he had all these fun stories to tell and all this so we had that that life with him and then almost like something just possessed him he would get angry and he would get mad and it was this uncontrollable anger that would just drive him and it was almost like he could see no reason nobody could speak to him until it was done until it was over and i'm sure he regretted it cuz i would see him like maybe try to talk to my mom later and maybe try to make make up with her and they would eventually things would resolve it was usually maybe at most 3 days a week whatever and then things would resolve and they would go back to normal like nothing happened and that's how it would go on again until the next explosion and then and it was just an it was it was horrible to watch and when i grew older i started to almost resent my little self my younger self for not saying anything i'm very vocal about a lot of things i'm not afraid to speak my mind but i wasn't always like that because there was this thing in my parents marriage that caused me shame and caused me sadness and i didn't feel that it was something i had a right to say anything about and it's something i felt powerless about and so i didn't say anything i didn't do anything i didn't comment and we all just pretended like it didn't happen and that is just something that just really haunts me and i just hope and pray that nobody who has me in their life as a friend or relative or just anybody at all I hope that there's nobody else who has to go through that and feel that they cannot talk about it or that they have to be ashamed of it because it's not your shame it's the abuser's shame not yours and in trying to protect them and to maybe protect their reputation and this we carry that shame for them but it's not ours to bear and so this is the reason why because i look at my mom my mom is in her 60s now and she has literally just li- lived a life of service to her husband and done nothing for herself 
And when I see somebody who's maybe in her 30s now and who is being held down in an abusive situation and who seems trapped and is not able to step out of that, my mind just goes back to my mom. And I think if my mom was 38, was 35, was even 40, and she picked up her things and she left and she walked away and said, I would have none of this. Her life would have turned out different. She would have had time. It would have been difficult at first, but eventually I believe very strongly that she would have set a different course for herself and her life story would have changed. But it didn't happen. And I, I know that it didn't happen because she just felt powerless and couldn't see a way out. And that is something that just really haunts me. And so I try very hard to shine a light on the things that are wrong, the things that are dirty, the things that are just unjust, the things that are set in place to hold people down and to imprison women especially and make them feel like without this, your life is going to be maybe shit or you're not going to be able to survive this. You're not going to be able to to do anything or be anything outside of a bad relationship. And so I try to tell these women that that's not true. You can, you may have to, maybe if you're used to a certain level of comfort, you may have to scale back, but that is nothing. It's nothing in comparison to what you're losing and what you're giving up. And honestly, I I feel like the greatest tragedy that we can do for ourselves is to raise our kids in hostile, unhealthy situations. I know that there are a lot of people who say, oh, I don't want my kid to come from a broken home. Darling, a broken home is a home where you're both together. You're both broken. What you've built is broken, but you're hanging on by threads and just going because you think staying together is better than breaking up. In many cases, a lot of couples have no business being together. They're damaging their kids, damaging themselves. And then you wake up and you're 60 and so much time has passed. Time that you can't get back. Time that's just gone. And this is something that really causes me some level of anxiety. I really do not want to wake up when I'm 60, 70, 50 even, and feel that I have just lived a life that wasn't mine, a life that was beneath anything I could have thought or dreamed. And and so I have this constant reminder, something like just constantly nagging somewhere in my head, pushing me to examine and re-examine and re-examine my life. And I just always want to know that at every point in time, I'm living a life that is authentic, that's true to my values and true to the things that I believe and I stand for. I think of my mom and I just don't want to be where she is. I don't ever want to feel helpless. I don't want to feel trapped. Marriage is a choice. It's a commitment. It's fun. It's a commitment that I made out of choice and it's a safe place for me and with somebody I feel respected I feel supported I feel loved 
and I feel safe. And because I feel safe, because I feel supported, because I feel loved, my children feel safe. They feel supported. They feel loved. And our home is a safe space for me, for my husband, and for them. This was something that I knew was important to me. Even before I got married, even before I started dating, right from a really, really young age, it was something that was important to me. And I'm glad that I was able to hold on to that and find it. And I really hope that all the women in my circle and the women who are near and dear to me also find that. Thank you for listening to today's episode. This is a topic that is really close to my heart. And I'm sure you can hear like just the passion in my voice as I talk. But I'm glad that you listened so far. And again, you can send me your questions or comments, suggestions, or even share your story with me at camcj at gmail.com. That's K-A-M-S-I-J-E at gmail.com look forward to hearing from you and don't forget to like share and subscribe see you next time